Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Wayne. My name's Chad. This is Brodor. Why do you do it here? I thought you said last time was going to be your last time. He thought well, I'd kick him off the show. Well, yeah, I, I figured, I just assumed that the last episode, based on my dismal performance, <laughs> would be the last show I was well, on. Well, please, if dismal performance was enough to drop someone from the show... I'd have been off a long time ago. See, I don't make those decisions until the numbers come in. Because <laughs> that way, if I want the person gone, I can just blame it on the audience. Like, guys, you know, it just didn't pan out. We dropped from our usual levels down to, like, Happy Jack levels. <laughs> and I this isn't what I believe in for this show. <laughs> but, you know, it's really not my choice. I have nothing against so, you. So it's if, not me. It's you. So if <laughs> expressions like Plumkin or Felicianato don't do well with the audience, we, then I'm off. Brother gotcha. came up with Felicianato today at dinner. And I have to say, it's quite excellent. That's a you. We need that word in our lexicon. My wife is a Felicianato. She's not a, I mean, she's an expert. Right. It's pretty amazing. Right. In case anyone's not following this, I introduced Brodor to portmanteaus today. It, it's been like giving a kid a gun. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm telling you, one more shot and I would like be in the danger zone. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Nice. Speaking of danger zone, somebody just died. And I thought it was Kenny Loggins, but it wasn't. So... There you go, Archer fans. Kenny Loggins is not dead, to the best of my knowledge, unless he just died today. So, um, all did right. Did you see the episode with Kenny Loggins? I did. Oh, yeah. Yes, I did. awesome. I, did. I just watched season five. Yeah. I just binged watch, well, not, not just, a couple months ago, I binged watch all six seasons. Because I didn't think it would be my thing. Because freaking it was sold to me wrong. Right. Because the guy that was trying to convince me to watch it was a guy that I worked with. And he was really big for some reason, into shock humor and gross-out humor. Mm -hmm. And that is only a really small part of Archer. It does occur, but it's really the minority of their show. And that's how he was selling it to me, was he was telling me, oh, it's so funny, this happened that was really kind of gross, and this happened that was all shocking and over the top. This is my problem with Mass Effect. That's why I never got into it until you got me into it, because Mass Effect, the video game, was sold to me as, so I'm like, so it's space opera, is it a good game? Dude, it's a great game. It's the best game. You get to have sex with two alien chicks at the same time, and you could be a chick, and it's an alien lesbian threesome. I'm like, okay, is there, like, a story here? Is the gameplay good? Is it... Yeah, the story's awesome. You get to have sex with three alien chicks, man! Yeah! And this was not one idiot, right? This was, like, everybody. This was the selling point of the game, and I'm like... That's uh, really not why I play video games. You know, that's my current understanding of God of War. I mm. hear it's a great game, but all I know about the game is the rather graphic sex scenes. Really? Yes. Mm. I never got into the game. Is bangability a rating that we're going to use to judge things? <laughs> sure. Because in, in that situation... <laughs> is bangability Archer... a portmanteau? Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, bang. Archer... Oh, no, it is. It's bang-a-bility. So it's yeah, three, yeah. It's Ar- Archer yeah. wins on bangability because it's got Cheryl Carroll Sherling. I mean, I, I mean, some people are Pam fans, mm-hmm. some people are Archer fans, but me, it's Cheryl Carroll Sherling. I'm with you. That would actually be my first choice, too. Pam, maybe when she was high on coke. Oh, yeah. That was, oh, my God. <laughs> when she stands up from the chair and she's svelte and uh, Mrs. Archer wants to send her to rehab and uh, Archer looks at her and goes, I don't know. I think she's in a good place. <laughs> 
So, Bernard, I have to ask. I've been staring at your shirt on and off throughout the night. Have you been looking at his what chest? What is Poop the Game? So, Poop Hold is- on, hold on. I don't approve of the fact that people on this show have reduced each other to sex objects. You're just staring. You're just sitting here looking at his chest yeah. while we're talking about who we're banging our chest. Don't, don't yeah. be jealous that the two people have the two best boobs in the room. <laughs> Yeah. Or not us. I'm just staring at his poop. Right, he is staring at my poop. Okay, so, moves. That's a portmanteau. Yes, moves, moves, moves man <laughs> boobs. Right, my yeah. my fleshy. Man, these are these are my hop reservoirs because because <laughs> hoppy hops give you so boobies. You, you do have beer flavored. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You can milk me. So anyway, poop is essentially. It is an Uno derivative. It's a new game. It was a uh, Blaze Sewell's, the guy who created the game. He's uh, doesn't live in St. Louis currently, but he's a St. Louis. Uh, St. Is that Louis his native. real name, Blaze Sewell? Yes. Yep. Is there some place people can Google this? Like, if people want to find this, is a game by the unless way. unless I'm butchering about. his last name, which is possible. Well, fine, but can people find this on the internet? Sure, sure, sure. So it's an indie card game. It's a small ten dollar card game. Okay. And it's essentially an Uno derivative, but it's and, got a couple of twists. And this is not the same game as Pooh. No, 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 because yeah. that's monkeys. Yes. This, yeah. this, which is, I cannot find in his stores. And we've got them. I've got two on the shelf in my St. Charles store right now. You know, I'll I, call them and have them set aside for you. In uh, fact, I have so much store credit, I will buy it for you. <laughs> I will bring it next time you have me record. I will bring you poo, and I'll bring you a co- I'll bring you poo and poop, and maybe some jizz. <laughs> so anyway, poop. The Uno style game mm-hmm. is the beginning of a round. A toilet card is flipped over, and the toilet has a value, right? And just like Uno, you want to get all of your cards out of your hand. The catch being, one, there are special cards that reverse order and things of that nature, but you do not want to exceed like the value Australia of the card. toilet because you could clog the toilet. And if you clog the toilet <laughs> with your poo, you have to take all of the poop that's in that toilet and put it back in your hand. So, yeah. Huh. If and, only that was how public restrooms work. <laughs> well, if you plug it up to the point it can't flush, <laughs> you have to take it back. <laughs> All of uh, I've got a couple customers that would what? have to, I know. Why do I think Sky would love this game? Uh, you know, he would definitely love Pooh because it's got the monkeys and... Uh, yeah, I think he'd like poop, too. Yeah. We're not going to give him jizz, though. All right. <laughs> How old is he? He is eight. Give him give four him few, or five yeah, years. He'll find years. it on his own. Yep. <laughs> few years. So, all righty. If I can find this game, I'll link to it in the show notes, because... I'm not, okay, no. You have to give me URL. I'm not Googling poop. Sure. <laughs> Why not? And, and add in some keywords here like make sure you toilet do clogging poop. And make I, sure you do it at work. Yeah. I don't even think it's safe to Google poop the game. No, no. Uh-uh. It's going to be a whole lot of German stuff. So, no, I'm not Google. You send me a URL and I'll put it in the show notes. If you don't, then you can tell... Blaze. Blaze Herniitis or whatever his name is. Why Fear the Boot did not plug his game. Sure. So he's actually going to be in my main location in St. Charles uh, the evening of the 17th of July doing demos of poop. Okay, for an international podcast. The, the game. Not just, not just demoing his poop. Yes. So we're going to get him a large ladder and he's going to dump right on the table. And we're all going to watch it open and close. That's, that's the thing. And if anybody complains, you'll be like, you just don't understand art. <laughs> we got Shia LaBeouf coming in next week. Wait till you see what he does. Uh, uh, all right. I'm spent. <laughs> Wayne, are you Googling poop right now? No, the game, yeah. Okay, can you at least turn your screen away from me? I don't want to see what you're I really don't want to see what you're going to find. A lot of phone poop. apps, actually. A lot of, okay. So hey. 
when we're done, you'll have to look at the back of my sh- my shirt because the tagline is uh, "I poop with friends," and of course, it's a little poop symbol, and it's the same icon they use for each of the poo cards. It's the emoji. It's the poop emoji. I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Oh, okay. So Wayne, can you send me that link so I don't have to Google this? <laughs> I mean, it does help. It's on Amazon. Amazon does, you know, they do draw some lines. All right. So when we're when we're not on the mics, let me tell you about how I'm going to end the commercial I was pitching you at the beginning of the evening. I think that you'll. It's quite choice. <laughs> what what commercial? I don't even remember this. So I want to do a commercial of poop, right? Okay. So we're we're basically recounting fantasy shop anecdotes that actually involved actual feces, right? <laughs> but in place of the feces yeah. for the reenactments, we're going to use poop cards, right? Okay. So because the, they don't want to recreate so, the actual so, poop. So the commercial ends with, I have a clear glass or plastic cup in the middle of the table. It's full of poop cards, and two of my female employees <laughs> look at the cup and then look at each other, and then we just cut to black poop the card game. <laughs> <laughs> and then... It, it opens back up, and you're there saying, come to the fancy shop, but you've got this big black eye. <laughs> so, where do you go from there? I don't know. I, I've got... I mean, I'm thinking we're already kind of deep in the bonus episode territory here. We were talking... Can we bring it back from the brink? Is I it like we're... edging? <laughs> oh, It's... <laughs> No, it's it's as plausible as secondary virginity. It's one of those pretty lies we tell ourselves. Sure. All right. So do you want to talk about comics or do you want me to tell you a story? I'm up for whatever. I say tell us a story. Yeah, sure. I mean, we could we could actually get all the goofiness out and then do a serious episode. Okay. so when I was a kid, I was pretty interested in martial arts type stuff. All right. And I've never taken any martial arts classes. It's funny. Parents, if you want your children to not do something, forbidding them from it Mm. is a terrible, terrible way of accomplishing it. My parents were very, very concerned about role-playing games, violence. Video games. Yes, so on and so forth. Anything to do with the computer, which is your job. So, yeah, here I am as a guy who programs computers for a living, does a podcast on role-playing games as his primary hobby, and owns a Mahdi Arm 14, which for the uninitiated is basically an Egyptian AK-47. Okay, so if you don't want your child to end up like me, <laughs> then some amount of controlled exposure might change the direction of their life. But my parents were worried that I would get too much on the violence thing, and so they'd never let me take martial arts classes. But I was really interested in it, and because of the fact that, to be honest, I was a bullied kid, I wanted some means by which to defend myself. And so I was a voracious reader of martial arts guides and just reading the books and practicing the moves. I actually picked up some basics. All right. I'm not some Kung Fu master. I don't have any delusions here, but I picked up some basics. So one day in my childhood, I was sitting there and I don't even remember what I did, but I did something I was not supposed to do. And I mouthed off to my dad or or something. Okay. Whatever it was, was lost to the sands of time. I did something. And my dad got really pissed. And my parents, they didn't beat me, but they did spank me. And my dad comes in to give me a swat on the ass. And right then, I mean, perfect ninjutsu moment. I pivot you back. You killed your own father. I pivot back. We need to turn the recording off and call John. Put my right hand into his wrist uh-huh. and stop the spank. And then because I'm just a dumb mother... I had to do the victory lap. (laughs) I look him in the face and I go, deflect it. (laughs) 
if I've ever been beaten in my life out of anger and not because of anything per se I had done, it was that moment. And you know what? I deserved it. And yet every single hit was worth it. Wow. That's amazing. Absolutely. If I had just shut my whore mouth. <laughs> Maybe my dad would have been so confused by the event. Look, parents have had this. Chad, I'd wager you've had this. You've had a moment where Sky does something and you know it's wrong, but you're so surprised, or maybe it's so funny, you it's, just can't handle it the way you should. It's just, it's more, that's my boy. Yeah. You know, you don't say that. Exactly. You're just you, like, you, yeah. you can't congratulate him. But mm. on some level, you're so proud, so stunned, so befuddled, you're laughing, whatever. You just can't do anything about it. If I had shut up, <laughs> I'd have probably had that moment. But I had to do the victory lap, and that sealed my fate. You know, the thing I think about with Sky off the top of my head is that when he was a lot younger, he got into the baby powder. And when I say got into, like, unsupervised everywhere on the room. Yeah. Oh, the, I've, I've seen pictures yeah. of things like that on I Facebook. took a picture of him. Put it on Facebook and said that he got into my cocaine and I was really pissed. <laughs> and he's really wound up. He's really wound up now. <laughs> Bedtime just got moved back to eight three weeks from now. <laughs> the house is so clean. <laughs> As we've established on the on the mics before, I've never done cocaine. However, I have done other illicit speedballs. So my dad's an attorney. Okay. And, and that'll matter for this story. <laughs> so I'm hanging out with a group of people, probably people I shouldn't be hanging out with. I may or may not have taken an excessive amount of substances that the CIA may or may not have used as uh, mind control experiments via MKUltra. But Maybe. anyway. Theoretically. So, theoretically. So I'm at a party and I'm just out of control, right? You're and, there. Bill Cosby's there. Right? Me, the wow. Cos, the Rohypnotist, yeah. who's a super <laughs> Rohypnotist. <laughs> He's on a roll. Wow. wow. <laughs> the ro- yeah, that's that's one of that's one of my super Ooh. villains. One one that I did not come up with, which I really really like, is Jack the Ripper as a stage magician, Stabracadabra. <laughs> that's my buddy Scott Sampson. And anyway, so I'm at the party, and you can imagine how I am right now in a few shots of tequila, right? Well, now I'm just f***ing tripping balls. And so they throw me out of the party because they can't handle me, right? So I decide that I'm going to challenge the entire two-story apartment complex to a fight. <laughs> and at this point, I mean, logical. I'm, I'm unfucking killable, right? I mean, I could, I could f*** a tree. I mean, I'm just a beast right? So any which way. The neighbors decide that they're going to call the police. Now, here's what's strange. Those unreasonable fashions. Yeah, you know, right? So here's what's, here's what's strange about, the, about it, is that the whole evening, I remember in a series of Polaroid photos. Mm-hmm. I don't remember anything specifically fluid, but I remember everything in a series of snapshots, right? Mm-hmm. And so I remember the moment where the police are approaching me. And I don't know if you've ever been on this particular substance of LSD. I have but, not. But it's no. very, very... It's very bizarre, right? Mm. And so the lights are going and the guys are walking up to me and the two cops are approaching me and they look at each other and they're having a conversation, but they're never breaking eye contact with me. And one cop says to the other one, I think he's going to fight. And, <laughs> and like the bells of Notre Dame, <laughs> fight, 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 fight. And so as they approach me, what's going on? Arm out. Everything's great. I drill one of them, (laughs) crack him, lay him down. And now I'm not a badass at all, right? I mean, this is all LSD fueled, right? Yeah. So I lay the cop out 
And I see the other one draw his nightstick like a sword from his scabbard. <laughs> the next thing I remember, the next photograph, mm-hmm. I'm on the ground. I'm hogtied via whatever they're using at the time, cuffs, zip cuffs, whatever. Cops got his knee in the back of my neck, one knee on my back. I'm bucking like a bull and he's spraying mace directly into my mouth. And like, and like Banaka, I'm just like, "Ah, you know, give it to me, right? Put some chips in there at least. (laughs) I'm just unkillable. I can feel nothing, right? So the next thing you know, I'm in the back of the ambulance because Uh they've just savagely tuned me up, right? I mean, they've messed me up. And these guys realize, dude, I don't know what's wrong with this kid, but we just beat him mercilessly. He looks like hell. We got to take him to a hospital, right? So I wake up. I'm in the hospital bed. Leather cuffs strapped me Mm -hmm. to the bed. Arms, ankles, catheter in my white boy dingle. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm surrounded by this sort of sterile, ugly eggshell environment and cops and nurses kind of coming in and out, leaving tracers. And I look up. And the weather is on the television, right? Mm -hmm. But it is one of those pictures of the United States where they have it broken down in colors based on temperature. And Florida drips onto the floor. And I was like, (laughs) and it's pooling, right? So California, Florida, it's all falling on, pooling on the floor. And I was like, oh oh my God, what is going on? It's at that point where I realized. At this point, (laughs) something is off. It's not, maybe. It's not right. So (laughs) cops are coming in and out. Drug counselors are coming in and out. I realized that I'm in major trouble. I I mean, if they told me I'd killed somebody, I would have been like, yeah, that that sounds like me, right? (laughs) So any which way, I realize I'm not under arrest. (laughs) I'm not being detained. Eventually, at some point, they're letting me go, right? Mm -hmm. So I wonder what's going on. So I finally get a look at a mirror. And I I mean, my mother never beat me this badly. And she (laughs) could really, really get her rage on. So my wife comes and picks me up. And she's freaked out because I've just been savage. So were you married at this point? No, no, we were still dating, right? This is back in late 90s, like 96, 97, right? And so she takes me home. And my dad, who is probably one of the most staunchly anti-drug people that I've ever encountered, right? I know is going to be just incensed. He's going to disown me because I've done something terrible. And my dad does the second coolest thing he's ever done in my entire life. He just lawyer mode, right? (laughs) We sit down and he's like, what happened? He's like, don't lie to me. Just tell me everything that happened. What did you do? And what did you tell them? Right? Because they're generally two distinctly different things when you're an attorney. (laughs) Isn't that right, John? So, (laughs) So any which way, my dad, he gets his camera, starts taking pictures of me. And the next day he calls Valley Park, calls the prosecutor there because it was the police in Valley Park that took me to task and explains (laughs) to them how they have violated his client's civil rights and they're going to take all of the charges that they've weighed against my client, which they didn't arrest him for all these terrible and egregious charges. And he's curious why they didn't do that. What they're going to do is they're going to take all these charges and they're going to drop them all down to misdemeanors and they're going to give me a hefty fine. And he's not going to have a civil rights lawsuit against them for the job that they did on kicking my ass. Right. <laughs> so in my entire life, I'd never experienced white privilege until this point because they didn't, they didn't shoot me. Right. 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 So, um, you know, long story short, here here I am today with a with a fun story of of hitting a cop and, and laying it out <laughs> and not being killed for it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Good times. Good times. I used yeah. to live in Valley Park. Did you really? Yeah. yeah. Valley Park doesn't exist anymore. No, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah I mean, they, they shut it down. I'm one of the few people who has been a recipient of police brutality that fully admits that I deserved every stroke. <laughs> 
Yeah, not quite police brutality. I've certainly been the victim of police mistreatment. Oh, sure. But that's a story for another bonus episode that I may not do for years. Did I ever tell you my Valley Park cop story? No. And involved hog tying? <laughs> no. And surprisingly not Brodor? No. <laughs> well, that's what we need to hear if it involved hog tying. It does involve hog tying. I worked as a checker at a local grocery chain. I think they're maybe regional now called Deerbergs. Yeah. I did everything there. I did overnight stock. I did day stock. I did dairy. I did frozen. I did non-food. But the majority... and polish. Well, yeah, a little, little tweak and a little, little nip talk there. But the major thing that I did was I was a checker. And I was a checker during the day because I went to school in the evening. So I'm standing there and it's like... Tuesday, Wednesday, is middle of the week, middle of the day. I'm checking people out, and all of a sudden, I hear this scream coming from the aisles. And there's this guy, and he's running, and he's holding a purse. And there's a woman chasing after him who says, Stop it! He took my purse! <laughs> so imagine, if you will, a grocery checkout. You know, all the lanes are there, right? And yeah. I'm about in the middle. And he's kind of coming a little offset towards me. He sees me looking at him, and he breaks to his left towards one of the sets of doors. I'm envisioning Plinko now. Yeah, <laughs> Which I mean, one is he going to go down? Just about. Well, I, and he just does this left hard turn, and I come out of my lane like a lightning bolt, right? But I'm on the other side of the cash register. Now, I have from a quick him. question. Yeah. Did you think about it, or did you just do it? Dan, how long have you known me? I, I know. What's the answer to this question? You just did it. Yes, I yeah. just did it. There was no thought. I just did it. I, I can actually tell you another story about where I just did it, too, something. But anyway, I break out of my lane, and I am running at the front of the registers, and he's running on, like, the customer side of the registers, yeah. where you know, where they line up. And we're running in parallel. And I'm thinking, if I cut left into the lane, I'll be hung up, and I won't be able to get him. But he's got to cut over across my path and then I can get him and my thought was when he does this I'm going to spear him I'm going to tackle it but there's a wall there's like where the carts are and there's this sort of chest high wall and he gets to the wall he's leaping over it I turn around the wall and I'm ready to just grab him a manager comes running around the corner and he's like halfway over the wall and I'm about to grab him. and the manager I just see this guy come up behind him put both hands on his back and drag him down. And then they both fall into a pile. And then this guy gets back up and another manager, and I'm on the other side of the wall and I'm like grabbing for this guy. I am leaping over the wall and I'm kind of straddling the wall and I'm like trying to grab him and get a hold of him. And there's two more managers who are like in this scuffle and it's just, you know, it's assholes and elbows. I mean, it's just this big fur ball going back and forth. And the only thing that I can think of at that moment is... The guy is struggling to get away. And it's like this computer. It's total logic. If he decides to start fighting, then I am going to land on him with all six foot three, 230 pounds of myself yeah. with both feet just right on top of him. And I'm going to put an end to all of it. But he doesn't. He's like struggling to get away. And he kind of comes up and I leap down on the side where they aren't side of the wall and I grab his wrist because he's like about to pull himself over again. So I grab his wrist and I twist his arm and then I grab his elbow and I push his elbow up and I'm on the other side of the wall. And so I've got him sort of chicken legged. Somebody else has him like this around his torso. And I'm making arm motions here because you can totally see yeah, that. So, so <laughs> to explain a little bit, what Chad's doing is he's got him 
grappled mm-hmm. with his arm kind of in an arm bar. It's yeah. not exactly right. I don't yeah. think it's quite the right Because there's but, a big wall in the way. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. do like a half Nelson on him. But I had his arm completely twisted around and his shoulder locked and his elbow pushed up. And his arm and entire right side of his body was completely and totally immobilized. Yeah, and, and it, with just a little more pressure, you could have dislocated his arm. Right. And so I have him immobilized in that, but his left side's still free. Another guy has him by his core, his torso, kind of bear hugging him to, to struggle around him. And then another guy's coming up, and then another manager, She's her name's TT, Tracy Terry, and she's, like, really awesome. She used to be an ex-cop. And she comes around the corner. Wait, so she's currently a cop? No, she, <laughs> wait, she used to be an, she, she is an ex-cop. She decided she no longer wanted to be, a, I can actually tell you that story, too, why she decided not to be a cop. She got a merit badge for beating some dude's ass while he was on LSD. <laughs> Trying to fight two apartment buildings of people. <laughs> she got reprimanded because, and not for beating his ass, but because she just kept yelling, "Die, white boy, die!" I mean, <laughs> but so anyway, she comes around the corner. She just yells out something to the effect, and I don't know exactly what she said, but the gist of it was, "You don't know he ha- if he has a gun or not. Somebody grab his other arm." And the only thing in my mind, I'm a very visual image based person yeah. and in my mind all i see is him his left arm going up with a weapon in it and that's not what happened but that's just You're how i seen possibilities that's how my mind processed what she said and then somebody grabbed his arm and i was chicken legging him his arm right and i just went like this which i uh, again yeah. making more hand motions <laughs> he levered italian forward. yeah i levered him forward which shoved him into the wall and then the guy who was grabbing him around his torso pressed into him, and another guy grabbed and sort of half nelsoned his other arm, and then there's three of us holding him. And he's totally immobilized now. He's completely immobilized, and we just kind of look at each other, and all three of us start laughing. <laughs> Not like, ha, 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 we got this asshole, but just like... Maniacally, well, yeah, just like, the adrenaline. And, right, I'm waiting for the like, real give that this was a midget. What the <laughs> f- just happened here? It's like... You know, we went from zero to 60 and three said this whole thing was over in like less than 20 seconds. And we're just like stand there. And then somebody said, "Okay, we're calling the cops. We're calling the cops. And but we had to hold him. Right. We don't have a security guard. We have handcuffs. We have to hold him. And the cops are like five minutes away. And so we're just standing and the guy's like, I can't breathe. You gotta let me breathe. And then I said, you know, you can breathe when the cops get here. You know, cool dry action guy. And I'm just like, oh God. Poor Peter Dingley. <laughs> he did have an expunge from his record. But the hog tie thing, so this is Valley Park where Rotor got his ass beat. Oh savagely. <laughs> savagely. So the cops come. And then they come around, and I, like, hand the cop this guy's arm, yeah. and then the, the the other guy hands him his other arm, they handcuff him, and they lead him out. So what this guy does, he handcuffs his arms behind his back. Cops have him, like you see on TV shows and whatnot, and they grab him by his sort of shoulder, and then they push him down headfirst to put him into the backseat of the car. The guy raises his leg up, puts his leg on the side of the car, and pushes back with all of his might. Knocks the cop over behind him, and he lands on top of the cop. The guy then rolls over onto his belly and starts doing the worm to get away. <laughs> the cop's partner, you know, the one cop is laying on his back like, holy sh- His partner comes up to the guy who's like squirming away, 
grabs him by his ankle and across the pavement drags his ass by his ankle back to the cop car where they hog tie him, pick him up, and throw him into the back seat. Kick ass. <laughs> wow. Now that's policing. <laughs> you know, but I had to fill out the police report and everything. Yeah. It, was, it, was, I, it broke up the day. I've. I will say that the lady came through my line, actually. And oh, the. Who had her purse stolen? Yeah. She, she thanked me. They didn't and, do a civil forfeiture on the purse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't even get me started I know, on that. That I know. will spin my ass up. But yeah. no, she came through and uh, you know she thanked me for. It. I told her, I'm like, hey, I'm just glad you're okay. You know that that he didn't like punch you or something. Yeah, or cap somebody because right. Yeah. Clearly, he was willing to cross those boundaries. I you mean, know, through this whole thing, like you said, did, did I ever think about what I was? Gonna yeah, do? my was guess like, was no. I no, would have been surprised if you said yes. Absolutely not. It, it just my mind hit like sort of logic gates of if then sort of yeah. I routines. do. Same thing happened to me. It was a certainly not quite as severe of a situation, but this was a couple years back and. At the time, we had two larger dogs, mm. Pearl and Izzy. Izzy's still alive. Pearl's deceased. But Carla was coming with the groceries, and we live, much to my dismay, in a split-level house. Mm-hmm. And so she was coming up from the garage, which is on the lower floor, up to the kitchen on the upper floor. And as she's coming up, she's on this landing that's directly behind where, like, the living room is. And there's there was a sectional there at the time. And... Pearl and Izzy were both trying to nose through the grocery bags as she was carrying them up, and they apparently got too close to each other. And, you know, dogs are possessive and territorial even over things they don't own. Izzy apparently growled at Pearl, so Pearl got mad and attacked her. And so here's this fight between well over 100 pounds of combined dog. Mm-hmm. On a stairwell. On a stairwell. And Carlos. And Carlos in the middle of it. I can tell you. And then the Valley Park police showed up. <laughs> Brodor's outside screaming he wants to fight all of my dogs. <laughs> He's got some bitch's purse. <laughs> I don't have any idea what's going on here. I'm standing in melted Florida. <laughs> Seriously, it dripped right up the street. <laughs> but I, you know, I'll connect the dots here in a minute of what happened. But I'm sitting there, a story above this. Mm-hmm. and On your computer, because we were on with you at the time. Oh, were you? I remember when this happened. The next thing I know, I am on that landing. There yeah. is shattered glass all around me. And I have the larger of the two dogs, who weighed about 75 pounds, held up mm-hmm. by the neck against the wall. I mean, off the ground. Right. Held up. Like Darth Vader style against the wall, and I'm yelling in her face, What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> Let me tell you what happened in that blackout moment. Mm. It's the same as you, man. I just acted. Right. There was no thought to it. I stood up from that couch, vaulted the railing, dropped down onto the landing. Landed on and crushed a bunch of beer bottles and somehow miraculously did not get glass in my feet. The bags held. I don't know what happened, but somehow did not get glass in my feet. Got in the middle of two large fighting dogs mm-hmm. with, I mean, once no thought here about whether this is a good idea or not. Right. The does he have a gun moment just never crossed my right. mind of what can 120 pounds of dog do to me and just got in the middle of them and pulled the bear one out and with strength I didn't even know I had, pin this dog to the wall. That's when I come to. And it was like, 
I mean, the household <laughs> just stops. Right. And suddenly it's like, I'm just sitting here in the middle of broken glass and freaked out dogs and freaked out Carla. And, and melted gro- Florida. Groceries, uh, yeah, groceries <laughs> everywhere, melted Florida, <laughs> the other pets running for the hills. And I'm just like, what? happened <laughs> like i'm coming too it's like waking Hulk up smash <laughs> there was a time too when i was uh when i was going to school this was many many years ago and uh me and axe if you if anybody who listened to the show a long time ago remember remembers our friend aram who we called axe on the show nowhere else though uh he and i were dr- I gamed with him at fear the con eight different guy different guy he's, he's uh, a guy who's also named arm who Put Axe there as a joke. A different guy. Oh, did two arms. Never yeah. mind. Sorry. I didn't game with that guy. No, you did not. So, anyway, Aram and I went to school together. Apparently, we went to school with Wayne, too. We just never knew it. So, anyway, we're driving down this highway. It's four-lane road with a divider, you know, grass in the middle. So, anyway, we're, we're cruising down the road and just chat and talk and listen to tunes, whatever. I don't even know where we're going. And then, in the, the lane coming towards us... On the breakdown lane, all this dust kicks up. And basically we say, holy shit, what is that? There is a car that is on its side in the air, spinning, crashing through this breakdown lane. And I mean, it was going fast. And it was like a movie where it's just like spinning, spin, 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 parts and shit coming off of it and everything. And it was like, oh, my God. I just tell my friend Arma, I'm like, pull over, pull over, pull over. And he pulls over. Everybody is stopping, and I charge, again, not thinking, just absolutely not thinking. I leap out of the car, charge across four lanes of traffic to where this car was coming to arrest, and it landed on its roof. And there is a woman inside, on her hands and knees, on the roof, on the inside. The seatbelt came off, she's in the seatbelt, completely dazed, she's bleeding, there's glass everywhere and she's crawling around on her hands and knees on this and uh she's like oh like this so i mean she's completely dazed and uh, i'm like are you all right and so i take the door and i go to open the door but the door is stuck in the ground because it boom landed oh, yeah, in the dirt right several tons right. of weight on top and of so that i'm yanking the door open there's a couple of guys coming up and i point i'm like help me get this goddamn door open and they run over and we are bending the frame of the door to get it open to get this lady out of her car Mm. because she is crawling all over this glass and we don't know if she has any kind of other injuries or anything. I mean, none of us are really thinking and we, we get her out and uh, I sit her down and she's trying to get up and walk to her car. I'm like, no, you need to not move until the ambulance gets here. And I I'm looking at her. I'm like, was there anyone else in the car with you? Was there a kid in there? We need to know if somebody got thrown out. And I yell it to the guys. I'm like, go walk that way. See if anybody got thrown out. And so they start running down. Yeah, she couldn't really answer me. And uh, she was just sitting there. And then the ambulance and stuff showed up. And then they you know, put the brace on her, put her on the backboard, loaded her up. And then the uh, fire department's there. Fire department's asking me what happened. I'm telling them. I'm walking away. I turn around and I'm like, did we do the right thing here? Because, you know, I mean, this is your job. And, you know, we don't want to screw anything up. And he's like, no, you... You did the right thing. We weren't here. You yeah. helped her. I, see, I have no stories anywhere near close to any of these. The only one that I can think of along kind of along any of those lines was uh, so when I was a kid, I was about nine or ten or so. I'm in the uh, the back seat of the my mom's car. She had a uh, international scout. If anyone knows what those are, they were giant 
I've never even heard of this car. Yeah, yeah me neither. So they were ba- basically kind of like an SUV, only not. So <laughs> only they're, they're big and Canada? huge. Kind of like a, uh, a Jeep meets an SUV. Who made so, it? I have no idea. The International Corporation. Yes. <laughs> so bunch anyway, of villains. <laughs> so I'm in the backseat of the car, and way uh, to support international terrorism, Wayne. She pulls into the driveway, pulls into a mm-hmm. stop, and I guess she thinks it's in uh, park. So she opens the door and goes to get out, and the car starts rolling back. And then she freaks out because I'm still in the car. So she tries to jump back in, falls out of the car, and the last thing I see is her going under the car. Oh and God. I'm like wow. nine or so, and I jump up into the, the driver's seat, you know, slam on the brakes, mm-hmm. get the car in park, and at this point, I'm terrified to open the door. Sure. I don't sure. know what's going on out, you know, outside. And thankfully, I, when I finally get out, she's, uh, so she's fallen, she's up under the tire, and it had stopped right at the point where it wow. was ready to touch her. Ugh. And she couldn't get up because of how she had fallen under there. It was, yes, but she was perfectly fine after a while. She was scraped and bruised. But it was one of those moments, like you guys are saying, I don't remember moving. Mm -hmm. I clearly remember the sight of her going under the car and the door shutting. And the next thing I remember is sitting in the driver's seat trying to figure out how to put the car in park because I'm like a nine-year-old kid. Right, right. That's wow. wild. Yeah. Yeah, there's a name for that. And I want to say it's called alpha stasis. I could be wrong on the name. Mm-hmm. But there's a name for that where you kind of black out and mm-hmm. you just start doing. You're really not thinking about it. You're just acting. Yeah. And a more common instance of this that probably everyone can relate to is like in the middle of the night you have to go to the bathroom mm-hmm. and you're in the bathroom. You're like, how did I get here? You don't remember going there or like getting to work and you can't remember the car ride. You can't remember driving there. You know, you did, obviously, but you can't remember. So, okay, so this is what the International Harvester Scout is an off-road vehicle produced by, and of course, that's where the teaser ends, (laughs) uh, produced by, so who the hell made this thing? I've never seen one before or after. It was produced by International Harvester. Oh, of course. Which sounds like a cross between a James Bond villain now that's and a, super a Lovecraftian monster. <laughs> Not just the Harvester, the International Harvester. Yeah. International Harvester. Well, congratulations, Wayne. Your mom's purchase helped fund the Scorpio cannon. <laughs> <laughs> it was assembled in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, that's what they uh, say. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> it was actually Fort Terror, Indiana. <laughs> You know, there's this other time I was in a, I was with a friend of mine and he was buying a car and we were in a car lot. I had nothing to do with buying the car, right? I'm just hanging out with him and, and walking around buying a car, something to do on a Saturday, I guess. We're hanging out and all of a sudden there's this crash and we look over and this is one of those car dealerships that's right on the main road. It's right on the main drag. And a truck had plowed into some of their cars right on the, I mean, it's just like, I didn't even see it. You heard the crash turn around and there is the wreck. And so we all go running over to it. And I'm the first one who gets there, apparently because I jump into danger. (laughs) And I open the car door and I see the guy and the guy is dead. I mean, I I had never seen a dead guy before. And it's not like his neck was broken or or there's blood everywhere. He he died in the wreck. I mean, there was actually not a scratch on him. And I just looked at him and he was sitting there. His eyes were closed. And I just knew he was dead. And the only thing I did is I reached in and I turned the, the car off. I, I Wow. Yeah, the car was still running. 
And I, I just backed away because I'd never really seen a dead body before. And I really didn't understand how I knew he was dead, but I did. And one of the uh, car salesmen ran over and they pulled him out of the, the truck and they start doing CPR on him and the ambulance comes and then, you know, the ambulance guys, they do CPR and they're like, no, he's, he's gone. He was driving down the road and he suffered a massive heart attack Wow! while he was driving and he died instantly and the car was going 60 miles an hour and he veered it off and it plowed right into a couple of show cars. Right I had a chiropractor that that happened to, except he has a hobby did race cars mm. and he was actually on the racetrack when he had the heart attack oh, that's and then the car Yikes. just immediately goes off to the right and- mm. brutal i have a number of crazy parent stories like i could tell the story about how when i was in 10th grade in front of a group of my classmates my dad pointed a gun at me <laughs> but <laughs> wait wait i could wait. tell that story so <laughs> I why was are in- we skipping that one so i did i did a, I did a, I did a lot of i did a lot of speech and debate and uh, you know mock trial student congress things like that in high school right under the gun <laughs> <laughs> so my dad was getting divorced from his second wife He's on his third one now. My mm. mom was the first, and I swear they get better every time. I mean, I'm really pulling for number four. So anyway, my, my dad's divorcing number two, and she was pretty miserable, bad word. Any which way. So I'm at school. I'm, I'm, I'm at a, a debate lock-in, right? So you guys, everybody knows what a lock-in is. Right? So yeah, we're doing yeah, one yeah. for a big debate tournament that's coming up. Uh, next weekend, and we're all exchanging evidence and preparing cases. Quick thing and- there, because I don't know if lock-in is either unique to this area or maybe unique to American culture. A lock-in is when a bunch of kids stay at a place. It's an organized event. It's an organized event where... When you Roman s- Polanski and Bill, and Bill Cosby <laughs> lock the door. <laughs> where you stay at, like, a church or a school or something... And they, you know, they close it up for the night, but you're still in there, usually with adult chaperones or whatever. Who are not Roman Who are not Roman Polanski. Woody Allen. <laughs> yeah. And so that, that's what I lock it is. It's kind of like a church or school sponsored slumber party, except you really yeah. don't sleep. You just do stuff all night. Right. Ours so. had a hypnotist. Which was really fun, and he did the a little bit hypnotist. Magic. <laughs> <laughs> He's not. So I don't fun. remember. <laughs> But we also did, it was so weird, too, because they did uh, cards. Oh, and sure. I won a ton of money on blackjack. Nice. Yeah. Very I, nice. I cleaned that guy out. So anyway, there's some crucial evidence for our affirmative case for any of you that did policy debate in high school or college, right? That is back at my house. And I live about a mile away from the school and I'm going to walk there. And so our debate coach, Mr. Pierce is like, well, you can't walk alone at night. And I'm like, dude, I've done this a hundred times. Right. He's like, no, no, no. I can't have you go take a group of people with you. So my dad's going through this really ugly divorce with number two. And she had tried (laughs) to break his arm. We usually just call this pooping. (laughs) (laughs) So he had reached into the back of her car to get something that she was taking that he claimed belonged to him. She slams the door and totally dicks up his shoulder. So he's got to have a sling. Right. And my dad, I mean, it's a world class drinker right mm-hmm. and drunk all the time god bless him he doesn't drink much anymore but anyway at the time ripped all the time depressed he's you know second mm-hmm. marriage falling apart blah 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 anyway myself and the group of high school friends walk down the street for a mile to my house i open the door my dad is there in the kitchen with his makarov right <laughs> drunk off of his ass arm in sling so he doesn't even have a good gun <laughs> right? points well he got it from a buddy of his right okay got it for free so he's pointing the gun straight at me 
And everybody behind me, I mean, you can hear anuses pucker, <laughs> like slamming doors. And me, I've grown around, I mean, I've lived with this man for my whole life, and I've grown up around guns, and my parents are both drunk. So I, 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 I'm tracking the situation, right? Yeah. I get it. It's not your so, first time at the right. rodeo. So I just walk in, I look everybody behind me, and they're terrified. And I just walk in, I'm like, Dad, it's me, blah, 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 <laughs> everything's okay. And he, like, nothing happens just walks into the other room. One time when I live with my dad, my dad walks in on my wife and I were on the floor, buck naked, right? <laughs> Opens, walks right into my room, stares at both of us. And he's like, are you going to help us carry in the groceries? <laughs> in a minute? And then, and then, and then he just, he stands there staring at me, waiting for my response and then closes the door. Like nothing happened. I mean, it's, it's a true, it's a true gift. So is that, is that your guy's code phrase now? Like, you know, if she wants to proposition, she's like, yeah. Hey, you want to carry in the grocery? Yeah. <laughs> no, nothing like that. I wish. But so, we're kids, right? My parents are divorced. I'm really young. And my, my brother and sister and myself and my mom are all living in a house by, you know, off away from dad. And my mom, who's working two, three jobs, blowing whomever, doing God knows what. Um, I mean, really, I mean, world-class parent, right? right? But she was also just miserably physically and emotionally abusive. My sister's not home. She's at the mall and she's supposed to get a ride home and she can't get a ride home. So my mom's got to pick her up and my mom's enraged. and I'm the only one home. So she starts kicking the shit out of me. I mean, she's a real see you next Tuesday. Anyway, so she's beating me left and right because I'm the only one around to hit and I'm the smallest one. And my brother, my hero, right? I mean, I, and I, I mean this. My brother comes home. I have never seen somebody get, I mean, because I didn't see my own beating by Valley Park. My brother <laughs> proceeds to kick the shit out of my mom to the point where the fight's wow. going the fight's going in all over in the house and eventually ends up in my brother's room and our two rooms were adjoining my brother grabs my mom by the shoulders slams her so viciously into the drywall that he literally blows her from my or from his room into mine. Wow. It was amazing. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely amazing. Yeah, I wanted to tell that story at my at my brother's wedding, but basically I just, you know, did did the platitudes. <laughs> you chickened out. He's the best man that I know and Was your mom yeah. at the wedding? No, 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 no. So so and, she person non grata. My wife and my brother could have a competition mm. for who hates my mother more. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. I couldn't Can't imagine why. Right. <laughs> oh, that's that's some light stuff. I don't want to get into actually serious personal conversations on yeah. mics. I'll tell you some stories that'll oh, curry the shows. It it'll really they're some ugly stuff. Hmm. But any which way. My parents never fought. Wow, really? No, they never fought. Wow. They never raised voices. I mean, they divorced after twenty years of marriage. But yeah, they never fought. What's that's the thing is obviously there are healthy and unhealthy ways right. of fighting. Absolutely. But if two people and know each other for a long period of time and mm-hmm. never fight, yeah. either they're the most perfect self-actualized individuals on the face of the earth. They're not. Or they're not communicating. Right, right. And so I mean, if I look at anyone I've known, you know, and I've really had meaningful conversations. Mm-hmm. We've had disagreements. We've had fights. So once again, there's healthy and unhealthy ways yeah. to do it. Obviously, what Brodor is describing is not even vaguely healthy. <laughs> they used to lock us out of the house, right? I mean, little kids. Yeah. They would lock us out of the house. And sometimes we'd just be sitting there on the porch. The sun's come down. We're all hungry. We can't get into the house. And God knows what's going on in there. It's, yeah. And it's just uh, mm. brutal stuff. Yeah. yeah, I certainly was never exposed to anything like that. I mean, I do have some stories about good things, bad things, some funny, some just really disturbing, but nothing that comes anywhere near that level. I certainly never saw that. I had a pretty chill childhood. It was never boring. Yeah. 
It was never boring. See, I was an only child. My dad was never home. He's one of these guys. He was the 80s executive, power tie. He worked 80 hours a week Ugh. sort of thing. I mean, he, he lived to work. He had his own hell. Yeah. Yeah. My dad worked graveyard shifts, so I basically never saw him either. He would yeah. get up at about 3 mm-hmm. to, while I was at school, and then he would go to work, and then he'd come back home around uh, 2, 3 in the morning, go to sleep. So my dad, I only saw him on weekends. My dad was a vice president, but I describe him as a as a trucker. My mom worked 40 hours a week. She had a normal, she's a travel agent. She had a normal nine to five sort of job. And we had an arrangement. You know, there were certain lines and borders that I didn't cross, but there was certain amount of latitude that she gave me more, more so as I got older. And we had an understanding. We had a routine and we did things. And then when my dad came home, all that got thrown out the window. It was his rules and his law, but there's no understanding. Because he's the trucker. He's the vice president, worked 80 hours a week. He was never around, and so that threw everything into disarray. Yeah, see, once my parents split, I mean, I, I sincerely believe that my, that my mother was the, the love of my dad's life, right? You know, she was 17 when she got pregnant with my older brother, and he was 19, both from strong Catholic families. They're going to get married. And 17 years later, she's 34 years old. She's got three kids. She's married, and she realizes, you know... Uh, this is not for me. I think I'm going to go, quote unquote, find myself. <laughs> so my dad said, OK, fine, go find yourself. I'll be over here and you can keep the kids. And then things mm-hmm. went from there. Mm. Wow. Good, good times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my dad crawled in a bottle and he's having, you know, various types of relationships over time. But when I was a kid, when I was 13. You know, my brother is six years older than me, so he's pretty much not around at this point. My sister's old enough to drive and have friends that drive. And I remember the moment, right, where my mom hit me for the last time because I just stood there and I took it and I realized, yeah, uh, this is the last time I'm Mm going to go. Called my dad that day and arranged to move in with him and lived with him until I was 24 when my wife, Memory, and I got our first place. Nice. Yeah. How romantic. Bringing it down. <laughs> yeah. So you wanted to talk about comics. Yeah. I was going to say, what a lovely way to end this show. We had some funny stories. We had some serious stories. And we're going to end on serious abuse. <laughs> well, I mean, at least the Rohypnotist was a joke. Yeah. And Stabracadabra. Stabracadabra is good. Well, Felicianato. Felici- I mean, that's if there's yeah. anything you that's take solid. away from this bonus that's episode. Solid. It's Felicianato. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> look at it this way. Your childhood sucked, but oh, dude, you survived. Are you, are you kidding? Or, I, I mean, seriously, and I don't, I don't say this glibly. I could have a normal childhood, or I could have the childhood that I had. Mm-hmm. And as, as much as it was horrible at the moment, sure. there's so many great things and great things that build character and those sure. experiences you have that make you you, right? Did I? Well, you know, I'm going to cut the difference with you on that one, because having come, and I don't want to get into all these stories too much, but having lived a pretty rough upbringing myself, I mean, the, the details were all different than what you went through, but twice as many drugs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And a hundred times, times as many fights with cops. <laughs> right. The whole apartment complexes. Yeah. And, no, I mean, you don't know this, but Dan's OG. Uh, it, was, it was like, it was like the that OG. Jet, Jet Li movie, The One, where it was you <laughs> on top of the ziggurat and the, all of the neighbors are just fighting their way yep. up to Dan. <laughs> oh, exactly, man. It, it was like Kung Fu Hustle. You know, the whole city's coming to fight me. And I'm just okay. there at my, you know. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, you know, I mean, it's... <laughs> On the one hand, there is a lot of damage that I carry with me to this day and will probably carry to the day I die. 
And, you know, there's things that don't heal that don't ever really get better. I mean, they maybe get better, but they don't really ever truly go away or whatnot. But at the same time, I do recognize that having gone through such adversity, it did teach me a lot of strength. It tempered me a lot. It taught me a lot of empathy. You know, sometimes suffering makes you an asshole and sometimes it makes you hate suffering so much you become a better person. And I can certainly say that while I don't know in the grand scheme of things that I would say if I had to live it all over again, I'd want to live it the same way. I certainly can appreciate that there are traits of my character, positive traits that I have because of the things that I went through. Well, look at it this way, Dan. We had our ups and downs in our childhood, but we spent a lot of time running away from the bullshit, but it wasn't the running away that made it great. It was kind of where we landed every time we ran away. Yeah. We had some really crazy stories, some real fun we, times over our lives. Yeah, we did. Let, let's bring it back to gaming. Okay. <laughs> because this, All right, how are you going to tie this, this one in? This entire bonus episode is a wonderful example of background to your character. I would not be the Brodor that I am right now with the various statistics and feats and abilities mm-hmm. and equipment that I have had I not gone through that background life experience. Okay, I will absolutely agree with yeah. you. One of the things I have said about character backgrounds since, I mean, single-digit episodes of this show was there are too many characters that just spring from the earth. Right. They, uh, what was the saying? I guess, I think it's Beth has that they came from the foam of the ocean or something <laughs> like ours was it just springs from the earth. The characters do not really have a cogent backstory. Who they are is rarely the sum of where they came from. There's not much of a tie in that really gives a, a solid narrative from birth through where they live to where they ended up. Which is why I love games like Star Trek or Travel or something that take you through your life because it does at least make you kind of see that story as it's occurring. Characters are not a bundle of stats. Yeah. They are a story. And I think that's part of the problem is when you make a character in most role-playing games, you make who he or she is. And then maybe you think about, well, how did this person get here? You don't actually start them as a child and work them forward. Well, and even in games where you do get into some of that backstory, I find typically people know where they want to get and they make the backstory fit where they want to be, not make the character grow out of the backstory. I usually approach it where I make a character that is in some place that I don't like. And I have goals for the character that he tries to reach certain places during the course of the game. And he almost never does. No, he all, no, they almost never do. They hardly ever do. Because if, when they get there, it's done. I mean, what's Batman if he becomes cool with his parents' death? <laughs> right. Re- realistic. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's he gets over it. And he's like, oh my god, I'm dressed up in a rubber suit with a bat. And I've got a little boy that I put in a rubber suit. What the f- is wrong with me <laughs> nothing 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 at all you ask alan Moore, you're just getting started yeah i, I mean i don't want to get off on another tangent i love alan Moore. i am totally ready to join his cult but any which way wayne hates alan Moore. Oh. i don't know that i fight, hate him fight, we'll have fight. to save it for the actual comic book episode <laughs> yeah we do all right i do want to do an episode on comic books because of the fact that we had one before, apparently, where we were really just trying out Wayne. Yeah. But now yeah. I've actually been reading comic books over the past year or two, and I actually have informed opinions now. And it's not just going to be a bonus episode either. We're actually going to yeah. talk. The, and the, I want to even talk about 
superhero games, comic book games. Right. We talked about some of this at, at dinner, but there's a lot of stuff I want to talk about. But I also do just kind of want to talk about comics in general because that's one of the eight topics we've really never done on this show. Except once. Yeah. We've when, done, we, when we tricked Wayne we into coming on the movies, show. So we talked movies, TV <laughs> shows, music, all kinds of other stuff. But anyway. Read Lazarus from Image Comics. Uh-huh. I'll second and, that. And East of West from Image Comics. Okay. And then read Bone. Someone gave oh, yeah, him Bone. Read, what the hell? Read Bone. Someone right. gave Don't him... read those books. Read Bone. Yeah. yeah. Someone gave him the Bone Omnibus as a gift, and he still hasn't read it yet. It's Lord of the Rings Peanuts. It's it, freaking awesome. It is. So read I can be, Bone. I can become a Shut fan. up. Read Bone. And become a boner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's thank, what it takes. Thank you guys for tuning in. You guys have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. See ya. Thank you.